This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Kate Andrews. So Partygate remains in the news, uh, but the perhaps more worrying story for Rishi Sunak is the development on, in the mortgage market. As of this morning, two-year fixed rate mortgages have risen to more than 6%. Kate, this is the highest since December, which was obviously the fallout of the Liz Trust mini budget. And uh, when Rishi Sunak, of course, entered number 10, it was very much seen by lots of MPs as a way to calm the markets. So what is going on here? So... Unlike uh, last year when interest rate expectations started to surge because of fiscal events, events uh, announced and done by politicians, this time it's, it's really happening quite independent from government and all the focus is on the Bank of England. Rates are rising internationally anyway and the expectation in the UK is that they will continue to go up as inflation is proving very stubborn. Headline inflation has dropped out of the double digits but it's still close to 9%, the rate uh, rising annually. And uh, core inflation actually rose in our last update from 6.2 to 6.7%. So the expectation now is for interest rates to come close to 6%. Now, you know, one can say, well, you know, it's painful, but it's necessary. We have to tackle inflation. But there's so many knock-on effects to that. And this update from Money Facts this morning um, highlights a, a, a very painful one uh, in a market that is absolutely crucial to the UK, and that's the housing market. It's estimated that over a million households will be renewing their mortgage this year. Uh, between when rate rises started and the end of 2024, it's estimated that about 4.5 million households will be reassessing their mortgage and people are going to be looking at higher rates. Now, for some people, this will mean cutting back elsewhere. For other people, the real concern is that you could return to an 80s, early 90s situation where people actually start losing their homes. The problem, of course, especially for the government, is that the best case scenario in which people feel poorer is still a really bad one. And so, you know, it's a really big week. New inflation figures out on Wednesday. The next announcement about rate rises on Thursday. We're going to get a lot more information this week. But with banks already pulling mortgages, we saw last week HSBC, Santander having to temporarily pull because things are moving so fast. It's really volatile out there. And if you're somebody who's looking at renewing soon, you're going to be nervous. Kate, just to pick on something you said there, clearly this has big implications for those who need to renew their mortgages this year, next year, and perhaps even beyond if this is the new normal. But is it the case that we, the way the property market is now, there are fewer people on mortgages than, say, 10, 15 years ago, so it could be slightly um, less impactful than how it happened, you know, in the 90s? Well, if you own your home outright, you're in a really good position. That's a good point, Katie. Um, But I think the problem, uh, a new problem over the past decade or so, is that interest rates have been ultra low, that so many people out there will have gone to the top end of their budget, purchase homes that, because they didn't think interest rates would move. And that was the message from politicians and central bakers throughout the decade. I mean, the new consensus was that, you know, borrowing rates were going to stay very, very low. So even if you have fewer people over all on mortgages, those people might be in a much more vulnerable situation. And of course, you then couple that with the fact that rates have been rising so rapidly, primarily because we're not building enough homes, there's not enough supply, there's a lot of competition for these things. Um, You know, this has a knock-on impact on renters too. So the people who are going to be affected may be more severely affected than they once were. 
Fraser, on the subject of, uh, I suppose, the, the old consensus breaking, you once had Sajid Javid say to you, low for long. Um, how culpable are politicians when it comes to uh, what has led us to this, these events? Well, of course, there was a great temptation to say that so all the Bank of England governors, the politicians, etc., got this calamitously wrong, because they did. Um, but I have to say, there was a worldwide consensus that these rates would be low for long. You can tell that because you can go and there's metrics, there's guilt yields, there's expectations. You can tell exactly what the market thought that rate rates were going to be in three years, five years, ten years' time. And the phrase low for long was not a political miscalculation. It was a complete economic consensus, a worldwide consensus. That consensus was dramatically wrong. And that is simply because the models that everybody were using to predict the future had far bigger error margins in them than we appreciated at the time. So that's why, um, even, even though I do think that um, Sajid Javid and Andrew Bailey and others got it wrong, I don't blame them for it. You had to be a maverick, really, to be talking up the potential of um, inflation coming back. Now, by the way, there were such mavericks. Andy Haldane, the chief economist of the Bank of England, could have been made governor of the Bank of England. Sajid Javid blocked him from being so. And, you know, might things have been different then? Perhaps a little bit. Because let's remember, it's the Monetary Policy Committee. It's a, it's a multi-member board that says interest rates. It's not the governor of the Bank of England. You had, so you, so you had some people who were warning, as Rishi Sunak was warning, about what could happen to Britain if the, if the rates were not low. So Rishi was saying, look, everybody's assuming they're going to be low at 2% for the foreseeable, but let's say the 4%, let's say the 6%, let's um, game plan that. And it turns out that all sorts of things start to go wrong. Now, Kate um, wrote a cover piece um, fairly recently looking at the sort of things that might happen when interest rates go up. It's not just mortgages that go up. All of a sudden, you get um, people who owe money to banks and the banks become less forgiving with those people. They start to call in their debts and you end up with publications like The Spectator being um, put up for sale. So you are getting, you know, I'm speaking to you in an organisation which is part of this trend. And there's going to be several unusual things happening. Mortgages are the most visible, but anything which is based on a large amount of debt and an expectation that that debt interest will be manageable will be looking shaky right now. And just finally on mortgages, Kate, before we move on to the legacy of Boris Johnson, what can the government do on this? I mean, in the sense, Jeremy Hunt has ruled out intervening there's some talking about um relief for those who hold mortgages um labor also suggesting they won't go there obviously quite dangerous precedent to start meddling in the private mortgage market but are there any levers they could pull they can take the political hit um you know we're coming out of a few year period where anytime something went wrong the government stepped in to help um for very obvious reasons during the pandemic you get something like furlough but then after that energy bills are rising the government steps in even just a few weeks ago um you know nothing was actually done but you had this narrative coming out of number 10 about voluntary price controls on food you know this expectation that the government's going to step in to step in on mortgages as you say katie would not only set a very dangerous precedent but you know if you thought things got rocky during the mini budget you know just wait and see what happens when you have a government like the uk suggesting it's going to intervene in the mortgage market um you know they're in a really tricky situation but i think what's most tricky is that let's say we get a slightly better scenario than what's being laid out now let's say that actually interest rates peak slightly lower than people expect let's say inflation comes down more rapidly than people expect and they don't have to keep hiking rates even in that scenario people are still going to feel poorer next year than they are 
this year because you have millions more people renewing their mortgage at a higher rate. You also have the rate of inflation, it's still going up, just at a slower pace. So on every count, people are still going to feel poorer. Um, and that is not a great situation for the Tory party to be in in what is almost certainly going to be an election year. On the Spectator Data Hub, we also show graphs for interest rates for various um, fixed rate home mortgages. And they show that, um, like last year, for example, if you wanted to get a 90% mortgage on a two-year fix, quite a common product, there that went from, it started off last year at 2%, ended last year on 6%, so three times more interest. So it's not just mortgage payers who are suffering this. It's anybody who wants to buy a house who's doing the mental maths. And you're seeing that dream get further and further away from you. And you do begin to wonder politically how much worse it could really be under a Labour government. And just finally, uh, today is the Privileges Committee debate and vote when it comes to the proposed punishment for Boris Johnson um, after the committee found that he did uh, knowingly mislead Parliament over COVID breaches in the statement, something, of course, Boris Johnson still denies, saying it was a political assassination. Now, interesting, Boris Johnson has stood down his troops saying, don't try and fight this punishment. And that punishment, because he's no longer an MP, cannot be the 90-day suspension. Instead, we are talking about um, him not being allowed to have the commons pass that former MPs are allowed to have. Um, Kate, do you think this is uh, Boris Johnson trying to offer Rishi an olive branch? Or is it Boris Johnson trying to avoid a repeat of the Windsor framework where you march your troops up the hill and then there's not actually many there? It feels very unlikely that any olive branch is being extended. I think you're very right, Katie, to suggest the latter. It would be a bit embarrassing if Boris, you know, as you say, sent the troops out and said, fight this. And then, you know, they lose the vote in his favor overwhelmingly. You know, this is expected to pass comfortably. I think you have Michael Gove from Cabinet on the record now saying he's going to abstain, but there's it's a free vote uh, for the Tories and it's expected to pass comfortably. I'm interested to know from you, Katie, if you think that this is the MP final say on Boris Johnson in the sense that I remember when the leadership election was taking off and he got off the plane landing back in the UK, waving at the crowds, and then actually backed off very, very quickly, realizing he just didn't have the MP support. Is today another example where we see he doesn't have the MP support, or is that reading way too much into it? I mean, he doesn't currently have the MP support. I think it's part of the reason you see him leaving for the time being. Of course, it can change in the future. You could have a situation because it's a one-line whip, but so many MPs avoid the vote. He's still done his supporters, and it doesn't actually come to a vote. And that would probably be actually a rare area these days where both Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson are united in that being the best option for them. And with that, thank you, Kate. Thank you, Fraser, for joining today. And thank you for listening.